This is Michael Zuber, and I just wanted to thank you for listening to my One Rental at a Time podcast. Did you know that I took the time to document the entire process I used to learn my market and actually still use today? I released it as a $199 online course via Teachable, and it is called How to Get Started One Rental at a Time. With that, you get access to my private Facebook group and can join our group mentoring calls every Saturday at 9 a.m. Pacific. You can find it on my website at onerentalatatime.com. Now on with the show. Hey, everyone. It's our third and final discussion with Jonathan Twomley today. And this one is going to be really a, uh, I don't know, a word of caution, a warning to anybody who is a limited partner in multifamily, really commercial assets. Uh, We are both, Jonathan and I, seeing deals blow up now. Uh, It is very painful to see people lose their equity, their hard-earned money. Uh, so we have some warnings, some things to look at for now to, to maybe get ahead of it. So uh, Jonathan, this is, uh, this is an important topic for people. Yeah. So the, the background to this is I've, I mean, I've been hearing this for a couple of years, but I, in recent days, I've been hearing a little bit more where, where people are telling me, hey, I'm in a deal and not getting distributions or, hey, I'm in a deal and it looks like I may actually lose my equity, which is, you know, when you think about like how, generally speaking, how safe and stable an apartment building is. Uh, as an asset, it, yeah. it's kind of hard to imagine what what you have to do to, yeah. to lose. How to, many things have to go against you to, to right. lose that? Now, yeah. now, one thing can be like a bad, bad recession where your people stop paying rent. That can be one, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, but usually what it is, is not just that. It is that uh, you pay too much for the asset in the first place. And I mean, that's, that's, I mean, you're being too kind. I would say most of the deals I'm hearing people put, put together that were good for the GP, meaning fees, uh, but they just flat out overpaid uh, in my well, opinion. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, and, and the market is, has frankly lost its mind. Right. And the, because, and, and the reason I say that is because <clears throat> now there's this, you know, there's this adage that like the military is always preparing to fight the last war. Yeah. Right. And there's the and there's a, the analogy in economics is like investors are always prepared to fight the last recession. Mm-hmm. You know, economists are always preparing for the last recession. And so, you know, coming out of the great financial crisis, multifamily did super well for a whole bunch of factors that are not going to repeat themselves. But they people generally look at things on a very superficial level, and they say, "Oh, look how well it did. That's good enough for me." Multifamily is safe. I'm rushing into that asset, and so so people have bid up the price of these assets over the last several years, and continuing to do so now because of a whole bunch of other things that are going on, like you know yields on you know treasuries being nothing. Sub one, yeah, yeah, you know the stock market being at all time highs and that making people nervous. So multifamily looks relatively good in comparison. And maybe it is, but the problem is because there's so much attention being paid to it, uh, and especially since about 2016, when I saw things really start to kind of ramp up in terms of interest, um, people have paid a lot for these assets. They paid a lot more on, you know, on a risk-adjusted basis than they had paid historically in the past. And now some of that is coming home to roost. Because if you pay more for the asset, your debt your debt carrying costs are higher relative to your income, right? Yeah. And so, and your biggest expense is going to be your debt service, right? That is that is going to be about a quarter of your income, 
right, right there, just that one mm-hmm. payment. The next biggest one being taxes, which you can't do anything about, right? So, and then labor. So those are like your three biggest expenses. But if you, <clears throat> but the tax and the taxes are also proportional to the cost, mm-hmm. right? You're, that's going to also rise when you pay more. Mm-hmm. Uh, the the labor cost is not going to rise because you paid more. But the, those two, the two biggest costs, your your debt service and your taxes are both related to how much you paid for the asset. And the more you pay for the asset, the more you pay for those two things. So what happens is if you buy at the top of the market and you overpay, you are leaving yourself very, very little you know, room for error when something goes wrong. And now what you're seeing is stuff going wrong in terms of rent collections to some, you know, it depends on what level of asset you, you bought, but also, you know, when you say rent collections are down by 1.5% across the board, doesn't sound so bad. That's the national average, right? Mm-hmm. That means that there are, there are buildings doing worse than that. For right? sure. And if you paid, if you overpaid for the asset and you left yourself very little room for error, you know, if you, if your collections are down by three or 4%, that might be enough to, to really screw with your ability to pay your distributions uh, and your ability ultimately to pay your, uh, your debt service. And on top of that, if you have anything go wrong with the asset, any kind of unexpected capital item, right? that you haven't reserved for, you're really in a pinch. Now, the other thing that's happening um, is about 2017, we started seeing a lot of debt being issued with interest only, right? Not interest only for the whole term, although I actually have heard of some of those. Oh, wow. But, um, but, in, but interest only for one, two, three, four years, right? Now, interest only has always played a role because if you wanted to do a rehab, you're spending a lot of cash in that first year and you have a lot of vacancy and you, you need some extra cushion to get you over that first year while you're carrying out your plan. So interest only is not, there's nothing wrong with it like hmm. in the abstract, right? It, hmm. it, it serves a role. What you started seeing though a couple of years ago was interest only being issued so that people could make the deal work, right? Not not to get through a rehab, but actually literally so that the deal would meet the debt service coverage requirements set by the lenders. And the lenders are complicit in this. Wow. Because the lenders, the lenders are, are actually offering IO because they can't get deals done otherwise. Fully amortizing loans cannot meet the threshold required to issue the loans yeah. given the prices that are being paid. You know how frightening this is to me? I mean, again, because I went through the last crisis and back to whole, you're fighting the last war. That is exactly what happened the last 18 months of my single family homes from 2008 to 2009. Countrywide, IndyMac don't exist anymore because that's what they were doing. They would do what was called two and 28s. They would do a two year, uh, like 1.9% to make the deal work. And the whole whole idea is refi after two years. And if you can't, the interest rate went to like seven and a half. I, I remember that because I was buying our apartment yeah. right around that time, right before the crash was when we bought our place. And wow. I remember talking with, with lenders and like, oh yeah, we can give you two years of interest only. And like, yeah. and I was like, why, why would I want that? Like, <laughs> I, I want to build equity. I don't want to just pay the bank. Plus I, I'm not, I don't want to like, plus also I understood how these things worked. It's like, I'm not going to go and like buy a house 
based on like what I can afford without paying off any principal yeah. and then have the thing reset on me in two years and have my payment double. Like, <clears throat> I don't want that. So well, you were smart. There were a lot of people that didn't. And hence we had the single family housing yeah. crash. And so the, the single family lenders then stopped doing that. They increased their standards, right? This is part of what then fed into the multifamily frenzy was that it got so tough to buy a house yep. that then people had to rent because now they were like, you got to have 20% down. No, no, no teaser rates, no interest only. Right. So, but now, so that drove the, the money flows, right. Right. So the money th that was going into single family then went into multifamily because multifamily was like the safest, look at, look how good it did. Everybody was renting. It's the safest thing ever. So then, you know, that caused the multifamily market to run up so high that lenders, you know, now back in the, the great financial crisis too, leverage got out of control for multifamily assets as well. And what they allowed you to do was put a second mortgage oh, Jesus. on, you know, so they would, the, they would lend you your 75% or 80%, actually 80 was very typical. Uh, they'd lend you the 80% and then they would let you put on mezzanine debt, right? To, to increase your leverage. So I remember when I first got into the business, people were, I was talking to loan brokers and like, oh yeah, I can get you 93% leverage. I'm like, why do I, I don't want 93% leverage. Like that's, <laughs> it's insane. So, um, but that's, but that's what they were offering to do. And now that also got stopped. The, the lenders got more, con more conservative. They dropped, you know, they stopped giving, handing out 80% uh, loans. They went down to 75%. They imposed these debt service coverage, you know, requirements. They put in all kinds of guarantees that you had to sign, you know, to make it safer. But what happened was as the market ran up, they ran out of business, right? They couldn't lend anymore. So they started, they figured out ways to stay within these restrictions, you know, without, uh, but, but still do deals. And the solution to that was interest only, right? So that allowed them to still meet, you know, actually started seeing a little more 80% loans again, rather than just 75. But, um, but that allowed them to like make deals work for you by, by doing interest only, which I said used to be a device just to help you doing a rehab deal or repositioning. Now it just became standard. But now, it just became, now it just became the only way to get loans issued yeah. was to fudge the numbers. So it's essentially offering much higher leverage, right? Yeah. With, you know, and, and, and plus on top of that, you know, what you're seeing now. So that, so you've got these interest only loans that are resetting and that, first vintage of them, that first tranche from 2017, 2018, a lot of those loans were just two or three years of IO. Right. Now you're going into, you know, full amortization at the same time as collections are getting soft and maybe getting softer. And if the, you know, the, if all the, uh, yeah. the, the CARES Act money runs out, this is why, you know, when you read the articles about like the rent tracker articles, like rent collections are great. There's always a paragraph in every single one of those articles where somebody from the apartment industry is screaming about Congress better come up with more money, yep. right? If they were, and I, you know, I'm on my soapbox now, you can tell, but it, I see this all the time. It's, I've been seeing recently the resilience of multifamily, the resilience of multifamily, right? Yeah. Multifamily has done well during COVID. It's the most resilient asset out there. Well, listen, the government is paying everybody to pay their rent, right? It's not because 
it multifamily does well in a recession. This is yeah. we're we're not we're in some kind of like never never land right now yeah. where we're in this recession and there are all these people who are unemployed, but they've gotten these huge checks from the government. They're allowed, they're able to pay their rent, and it, it's you know this is not reality, right? Reality. Yeah, this, is, this is this is very scary. I know you have a call in about nine minutes, so I want to make yeah. sure we kind of summarize some action items for folks. First, if you're a limited partner in a deal already, you have to call your GP and see if you if you are in your interest only period and yeah, when yeah. it resets. Is that a fair thing to ask? Yeah, I'd say you want to know because uh, it, you know, and, and hopefully you're dealing with an operator who's very conservative, who's well-reserved, uh, you know, has been, has been anticipating. You're going to find out <laughs> this moment, but you, if you are not if they're not adequately reserved and you're about to tick into that period where you're going to full amortization, right? Uh, you were, cash is going to be constrained in this asset and chances are your distributions are not going to be what they were, right? Yeah. So, so first question, are you in IO interest only? And when does it reset? Because I'm, again, we started this third video. I'm hearing about deals that have switched and the step one of that is they're not getting their returns anymore, either monthly or quarterly. Yep. Right. That's step one of, of the so, pain curve. Yeah. Step two of the pain curve is when the sponsor comes to you for a capital call because they need cash. And that could be for not. anything. It could be yeah. for higher vacancies. Oh, go ahead. Sorry, no, I just gotta shut Yeah, it could be uh, for higher vacancies. Yeah, it, could it could be, be for repairs. Unexpected it could be lack of reserves. I mean, a capital call is coming to some of our some of the LPs out there for sure. Yeah. And then the third step is, uh, you know, if you can't make the debt service because it's been reset and, uh, and, and people don't come through with the capital call or they burn through that money on the capital call and they still can't make the debt service, uh, then you're talking about going into you know, default and foreclosure. Now, I, I'm expecting that some of these IO loans may the banks may have no choice but to extend the IO. Extend and pretend, yeah. Yeah, they may, they may have to just rewrite them. But some of these things can't be rewritten. I mean, the, you know, CMBS loans are almost yeah. impossible to rewrite. The agency loans too. I mean, if they're securitized, this is the problem. All of this, all this depends on securitization, right? These loans are being resold to investors. This and once is just like the single family home. Yeah. And once, once they're, when they're resold, oh my it's God. very difficult to modify them. Right, of course. because they're part of this package of loans that have been sold to investors who are just their expectation is we're locking in this cash flow, and it may be a very low rate of return that they're getting, but it's supposed to be basically guaranteed, like a, exactly like, like as safe as a treasury bond <laughs> or like better because maybe you don't even trust the U.S. government anymore, right? So, uh, but so that's why it's very very difficult to to yep. uh, same to, as single family back in 08, same deal to rewrite these loans. That's why it just kept rolling. <laughs> yeah, but I think they're going to have to. I think they're going to have to. So, so help me understand. This is this is so the pain curve, right? No one it resets. Not going to get your returns. Capital raise. Technical default. Default. Loss of equity. How fast could that happen? Let's because that's what I don't understand. <clears throat> I know it for single family. Let's say the IO switched to full payment December first, <clears throat> right? You suddenly wouldn't get your payments, your preferred return probably. So that's probably an immediate impact. Yeah. Then what? A capital call is like a month or two out after that, and then foreclosure after that. How? What's I mean, the time really lag? You think? Well, it really depends on how. Uh, 
reserved on, on how well reserved you are or how, okay. or, you know, if the cash flow, if you're making your debt service, uh, that is um, obviously good. But what can happen is if you fall below that magic 1.25%, yep. 1.25 times, uh, you know, debt service uh, coverage ratio, the lender is going to take control of the bank accounts. Yeah. So even if you're paying your debt service, they're not going to let it, they're not going to wait till you get to a, an actual default before they step in. So if you drop below that threshold that they require you to meet, they're going to come in and they're going to take all of your cash flow and they're going to say, uh, they're going to say, give us a budget of your operating expenses and we're going to pay you that number every month. And the rest of it, we're going to keep. Yep. And uh, they're going to keep it until you get back over a higher th hurdle. So you can't, not just the 1.25, but you've got to get to the one, like 1 1.3 and you've got to do it for two quarters, right? Usually, so usually this is a quarterly basis. So you miss it one quarter or maybe two quarters, depending on your loan docs, uh, one or two can put you into cash management. But then to get out, you've got to meet a higher threshold for two consecutive quarters, right? Oh. And then if you fall again, you're back in cash management. So if you get out of it, if you're successful, then the bank will give you this huge check of all the money that uh, yep. they've been collecting on your behalf, and then you can pay everybody. But there are properties that stay in cash management forever, and that means wow. that that you know maybe at the end of the deal you're going to get a check that's going to you know. But if you were if you were down below that 1.25 threshold all along, um, you're basically you're not going to make a lot of money. And here's here's the real killer. So because the the bank is, uh, and I think this is probably what's happening to folks. This is why you see capital calls. If the bank is taking all of your cash, they're only distributing operating income to you or operating expenses to you, right? Mm -hmm. What happens if there's any unexpected capex? Oh, right. What happens if you need to replace a roof? What happens if you know you need to replace a, a whatever it is? You know, yeah. then, well, there's no money in the in the in the till unless you have really big reserves. Uh, so you've got to go to your investors and say, okay, we need a hundred thousand dollars for new roofs on this, on this building or, you know, whatever the case is. Wow. Uh, so, um, and even if you're insured, you have an insured loss, you may have to, you got your deductible, you may have to spend some of the money first, right? Whatever it is, that's, that's when the real pain happens because that cash may be sitting in the, in the bank, but you can't get it. The bank is going to say, uh, 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 mm -mm. you go get it from your investors. Right. And, and then you start having problems because then you've got investors who are like, well, I just lost my job or yep. I'm worried about I the economy. I can't do it. They can't, I can't yeah. do it. And so then these things can unravel. So this is, this is why, you know, the, the mythology that multifamily is safe is, is dangerous, right? Yep. It's actually, it's dangerous to think an asset is safe. Totally agree. All right, folks, oh, man, it's really scary to me to see the similarities going on in multifamily with what I experienced up close and personal in 08. That's that's frightening. So thank you, Jonathan, for your time this week. I know you got an 1130. So um, any closing thoughts? Well, I just want to make, I, I want to like, we're not there yet, right? Yeah, I mean, yeah. We're not, we're not, we're not at 2008 with multifamily. I don't no, want anybody no. to freak out. <laughs> so we're not having a crash yet, but I'm just saying this is how deals can unravel. And yep. when you're, when you're buying at the top of the market, the market with very little margin, it, it can happen much more easily. So just, you know, buyer beware, really understand how these deals are structured yeah. and how much cushion you've got. And I, I think the first, if you're going to go into a, a deal, probably the first thing you want to look at is how much of a reserve they're building in, right? Because go. that's, that's going to be when the other margins are, are low, 
your cash flow margin is, is thin, you got to have a pile of cash to fall back. There you go. Well, Jonathan, thank you very much for your week. We will talk next week. Absolutely. Take care. Thank you.